Welcome, everyone. I'm so excited to tell you about this podcast. It's called The DK Project, but it's really The Darren Show. The DK Project is a radio show, but without the radio. So sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the ride. Let's go! Welcome, podcast listeners, to another episode of The DK Project. Ho-ho! We've got a special guest on the line today, uh, chiming in from uh, out west, it sounds like. We, Denver, uh, Colorado. Colorado. Well, bring out the gimp. I think the gimp's sleeping. Well, I guess you just have to go wake him up now, won't you? Stephen <laughs> Hibbert is on the phone. Actually, hey, he's on the Zoom. I, I, I got to remember that when I'm Zooming, I can't say phone because it's uh, it's so that's so 90s, you know, nobody, nobody uses a phone anymore. <laughs> well, or flip phone, even more so. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Stephen Hibbert, better known as the Gimp from Pulp Fiction. Uh-huh. This is a big deal. Is that like on your business card? Uh, no, it, it isn't actually. And uh, for uh, <laughs> no, for a number of years. It just sort of sat there. But when the Internet hit and everyone could Google and, and uh, um, you know, social media and all of that stuff, all of a sudden there was this interest in, in me going to, uh, you know, like fan fests and movie conventions. <laughs> and so I thought, OK, I'll do that. And Did you have to wear the uh, yeah, gear? Before that, I, it was obviously I was anonymous as the character, so there was no way to uh, to monetize it. There still isn't, but um, <laughs> but I, you know, I, it was an honor to be a part of such a, a, a and is an honor to have been such a part of uh, a terrific film and and you know, kind of a memorable scene. Oh man, I tell you, I so <laughs> so when you showed up for that uh, casting, were you? You didn't wake up and go, man, I got to get that gimp part. You were probably <laughs> yeah. you know? getting into my gimp adjustment. No, I, I, <laughs> well, I unfortunately, I had read the script before. I was friends with Quentin and he uh, he let me read the script. I was amazed by the script, of course. And he said, hey, you know what? We're, we're auditioning for the gimp. You want to come down and do it? <laughs> Because he, he had seen me perform with the, a sketch troupe in L.A. called the Groundlings, yeah, pretty yeah. well-known group. A bunch of SNL people came out of Google, Groundlings, SNL. It's pretty amazing the number of people who've come out of the Groundlings as performers and writers, yeah. including yours truly, uh, and done work there. So, uh, so I said, yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> so I went down to the audition. Did you show up in the outfit? No, 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 sir. Uh, <laughs> I did not own the outfit. <laughs> that was not a requisite for uh, getting cast. <laughs> Thankfully, I had very little knowledge of that world. And still, do, and still do. Sure, uh, sure, sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's what you know. I have children, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, I went there and Quentin acted like my master, and I was the slave, if you will. Yeah. And we just did. We improvised a scene where he was ordering me around the room, and uh, we did it for the uh, the executive producer Lawrence Bender and the casting director, and a couple of other people who happened to have been in the room, and it went fine. And Speaking of the 90s, back in the old days, uh, where I, by the time I got home on my entering machine, they said, hey, you got the part. <laughs> my so there you machine. go. And, You're uh, dating yourself. <laughs> exactly. So I went for a fitting. They, uh, speaking of the costume, they had rented it from the uh, pleasure chest in West Hollywood. Oh, you didn't even get to keep it? No, oh, it was a rental. Man. Oh, <laughs> Which man. is Did even wanna... creepier. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's a yeah. rental? Someone else? It was a rental, my friend. Well, I'm Both sure it wasn't you. used for the movie the last time it was used. <laughs> I I shudder to think what it's been used for. So you were in uh you were in early uh heavy usage of uh hand sanitizer before the pandemic was even around, huh? I I certainly was. Ooh. I uh, over the course of the three day shoot of that of that scene, I uh, I lost about fifteen pounds. Come on, really? So seriously, I'm gonna get one to wear around the house just to lose weight. <laughs> there you go, the gift diet. <laughs> Maybe we that's like that. Can... That might be good. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, there we go. Let's get some backers. <laughs> <laughs> so, no pun intended. So you were there for th- <laughs> so you were there for three days working on that. And uh-huh. did you get to hang out with with 
everybody there? Like, yeah, uh, you know, great group of actors. You know, the the two hillbillies, Peter Green and uh, Dwayne Whitaker, who were both friends of yours truly, and then uh, you know Bruce Willis, of course, and yeah. uh, and Ving Rhames, who are amazing actors, obviously. And uh, yeah, it was just a pleasure to be in the company of these pros, and uh, and they were all really cool about it because they knew right on. I had on this gimp outfit plus a little fat suit underneath the gimp outfit because Quentin wanted the gimp to be a little chubbier than I am. <laughs> so I, I was, uh, yeah, as I said, I was sweating up a storm. Oh. So they were really cool about like, hey, let's get let's get moving. We got a guy dying in a leather outfit here, <laughs> um, but it, it was fun. And we, we, you know, we the thing that about that movie, it's it's one of I think it is one of those movies like every decade has like the movie you know like uh in in the 70s you might say the godfather or the 80s uh, raging bull and I, I think there's a good argument to be made for pulp fiction for the 90s oh my um, god i'm i'm a i'm a 90s guy i graduated high school in 91 okay and, and i i'm not even i'm not even kidding i think i saw that movie 15 times in the theater did you really oh my yeah, gosh no, the, like well there you go yeah and i and i I, I don't think you're an extraordinary case. It's one of those movies that, well, because of the, you know, the structure of it, it bears repeated viewings because you kind of go, oh, there's a hint of that. Yeah. And you see all these little Easter eggs throughout the film. He puts Easter eggs in all of his movies. Oh, shit. I don't even know that I noticed Easter eggs. Well, you know what I mean? Uh, like, there's just little hints of what's going to happen and like the the cigarettes that uh, Travolta uh, smokes or cigarettes is a cigarette brand he's used in other movies and things like that. So, Oh man. You yeah. Know what? You should put a list together of things to look yeah. for. I think there is, I'm, I'm, well, I'm sure, I think, okay, I'm yeah. sure there must be thousands of lists of guys like, by the way, the you know, pair of shoes he's wearing. And <laughs> so there's all that stuff. You know what I should, I, you know what? Well, I, I should probably Google gimp diet. Someone's probably already got that out there too. <laughs> save us the time and the energy (laughs) that that's crazy so if 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 you had your are you do you still hang out with uh or no travolta or willis or ving no 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 wait it was uh no not by any stretch but it was great because uh speaking of bruce willis at the end of our shoot because it was such an arduous shoot and it was a restricted set no visitors allowed because of you know of the nature of the scene. Um, he had us all over to his really swanky customized pr- private trailer. And we all had gin and tonics into the, into the early evening. And, uh, nice. you know, it was just a really cool experience. And there was that sense going back to the, the, the impact that movie had on you and, you know, millions of others that this was a really going to be a great film. And we were all lucky to be a part of it. Yeah. I Even bet. if you never saw my face. <laughs> well, it, it's it is uh one of the more memorable parts i mean really i mean the, the yeah. show is i tell you i can't tell you how many times i've used drops from that movie in my podcast that, oh yeah uh, every scene has something that's so memorable between the uh-huh. you know the 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 cheeseburger and the the mm-hmm. fucking brain detail i mean that's mm-hmm. It's top mm-hmm. shelf, man. I, I, I loved it. So what, did you do movies before that one or was that your, your. Well, before that I had, uh, like, as I said, I was in the Groundlings, which was the sketch improv troupe in LA. Yeah. I had gone to SNL with my ex-wife, Julia Sweeney. We were partners, uh, writing partners. She of course was, uh, a performer and a terrific performer on the show. And, um, so I did that. Uh, How we long divorced. were you on there? How long were you? Uh, 90, 90 to 93. Oh, man. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a really fun period. Great. Got to meet all kinds of people, including Quentin. That's where I actually met Quentin. Okay. Because when Harvey Keitel guest hosted, Quentin was hanging out with Harvey to see what's it like at SNL for a week of production. So he was there with him. So we met. I moved back to L.A. and uh, uh, um Quentin and I became like movie going buddies. Really? And uh, back in the day, uh, we used to go see a lot of revival, uh, you know, movies at the uh, New Beverly Cinema, oh, wow. which he now owns. Oh. And I distinctly remember sitting next to him 
before we were going to see I don't know, Stagecoach or something. And he said, wouldn't it be amazing to own this theater and just, you know, program it and run it the way you want to run a theater with like really good fresh popcorn and, you know, really yummy candy bars from like when you were a kid. I said, yeah, that would be fun. And so he did. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. All right. Now, and and if you look up new Beverly cinema, again, uh, we're giving Google a lot of uh, press on this, on this particular, (laughs) but, uh, the the way he programs it, and he, he pretty much does program uh, their schedule. Oh, really? It's really cool. So he's really involved, eh? Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. cool. So anyway, so we were friends, and then you know, as, as I related earlier, the story of how he said, "Hey, it'll be a you know," he knew I could perform, so we did that, and then uh, I wrote on Mad TV and Boy Meets World, and uh, and later on uh, another SNL connection. I uh, become very close friends with Mike Myers, oh. who liked my writing, and so I did uh, ghostwriting and punch ups on all of the Austin Powers movies. And uh, oh, hold on Trek now, movies. we're 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 going way too fast. We okay, slow I'm, I'm gonna I'll I'll leave. Okay, I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs> Can't thank you enough for all the time. Hey, all right. So my my you know my my two favorite things in the world are Pulp Fiction and SNL. Before modern day snl okay so you were you on there with like dana carvey and farley yeah and- the cast there at the time was uh the late great phil hartman oh how was he and uh and mike of course mike myers and dana carvey and uh uh it was just as sandler and farley and chris rock were just arriving and julia and uh, uh was kevin you know, nealon huh kevin nealon yeah, Kevin Nealon, of course, the wonderful Kevin Nealon, great guy. So, uh, so let's get some dish. Who are these? Uh, Phil Hartman. I mean, ah, what? A, well, he, Phil, Phil, I was actually a teacher of mine at the Groundlings back oh, in the eighties. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'd known Phil for a number of years, and just a wonderful, big-hearted guy. You know, very. You know, you couldn't really get to know him. He was always. Uh, for lack of a better phrase, always on. He, he, he was guarded. Yeah, he seemed like way. that. Yeah. And so, uh, but d- delightful to be around and just a wonderful guy. Man. And enormously talented, obviously. What a legend. And, uh, you know, I, I, it was just, you know, improvising with him and back in the Groundlings days was just a, a joy, just so whip smart and funny. And, yeah. Uh, and a great improviser in that he really listened it was just yeah he was a, a terrific awesome. guy what about what about uh uh chris farley did you do any time with him not really you know i most of my time was you know was spent helping working with julia uh and uh so you know they it's like a, a school they were like not necessarily competitive but to a certain extent i suppose it is but they're um you know, there are different little clits yeah. and you know, you know, you, you get comfortable, comfortable working with who you got comfortable working with. So yeah. there you go. Was that where, that's where you met Julia then? No, we, again, back to the groundlings, we met at the groundlings oh, and man. we got married in 87. Uh, and uh, yeah, so we, you know, we began, we wrote a, a play together. We wrote tons of sketches together Uh Got to work on SNL together. So did you, uh, so walk me through a week at SNL. So you get there and they start kicking around sketches. How does that all work? Yeah. I, well, the the host shows up on that Monday and uh, that's a, a short day. It's basically everyone has pitches. Uh, the host may mention stuff they don't want to do. Like if they've been in a, uh, uh, a movie recently that was panned. I don't want to make fun of that. You know, I just want that to be in the past as quickly <laughs> as possible, that kind of thing. Uh, and then Tuesday is all the writing is done. And uh, usually I want to say it's an all night session. And usually from the combined writing staff and, and, and cast members and everyone else pitching in, whatever they can pitch in, come up with about, I want to say about three dozen sketches. Probably. Wow. Yeah. Maybe a, a few less, a few more, but about that wouldn't be a bad guess. 
And then on Wednesday, uh, it's all organized into a table read, uh, which is obviously about a little over two hours, so much, much longer than the actual show is going to be on that Saturday night. So things get cut, things get rearranged, things could still get cut, but a, a basic shape of the show is formed by Wednesday evening, at which point all departments, you know, it's all hands on deck getting costumes and sets. So they put all that together from Wednesday till Saturday. Saturday. Essentially it is, yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. So it, it's pretty remarkable how much is done. I you know, a lot of, it. obviously they have a lot of stuff in the trunk that gets used over and over. Yeah. But, you know, things do have to get built, things. And now I think it's a lot different because I think, uh, the show as it stands now, they do a lot more pre-recorded stuff than we than was done oh, back in the day. Okay. So I think I don't know what the schedule is like now. It's not for the as live show. It's probably it used to be. Yeah, it's probably for, for the live segments. It's it's I'm sure it's structured pretty much the same way, but it might not be as uh, there might not be as much material that has to get generating if they're if they've got stuff they're filming and if they have filmed and edited and ready to go so wow um yeah then thursday and fridays are all rehearsal days and camera blocking and um you know uh, rewrites and uh and and that pretty much goes right up until the uh the the invited dress rehearsal at eight o'clock on saturday night which is essentially the show um Wow. But with a tech run through and everything else. Yeah. And um, and then that usually ends around 10 o'clock on Saturday night. At that point, things are cut, uh, rearranged. Um, and then you got, you know, five minutes to <laughs> grab a drink and say, let's go. At 1130, no matter what, it goes. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, it was funny because you were mentioning Harvey Keitel. Yeah. I don't ever, uh, I don't watch Saturday Night Live anymore. I just don't, I think it's fallen off the rails, my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Harvey Keitel was on there not long ago and he had so much trouble controlling himself. Like <laughs> he constantly was, was having to cover for, for, you know, not being able to control his laughter. It was actually, oh, really? it just it, kept cracking up. Yeah. It was actually the best part of the whole thing. Cause <laughs> just to see him uh, struggle with it and then lose it. It was, it was pretty funny. I, uh, that's hilarious. I, I missed the, uh, the good times with that show though. There were so many legends that came out of there. What, um, oh, yeah, what's yeah been starting your... right back in 74. Oh man. What, what, uh, <laughs> speaking of which I just watched the, uh, coming to America too. <laughs> That was interesting. Um, uh, what about what, what's been your favorite part? Like you've got, you know, you were a writer on stuff and you were acting in stuff. What, what, what do you like doing best? I, it's hard to say. I think, you know, the thing I loved the best was, you know, improvising at the Groundlings. And, you know, for years after I became an alumni, hey. I uh, would still, I would still go back to the Thursday night all improv alumni show and do it. Cause it's, it's just, it's so much fun. I mean, I've had great experiences. I was very fortunate. Uh, you know, I'm pretty much retired now and living here in, Colo- in beautiful Colorado and living a very nice uh, life with my girlfriend, Doreen. And my kids are here, ex-wife, who I get along, second of two ex-wives, excuse me, not Julia, my second uh, two, two for two. Uh, <laughs> but the, the woman, Alicia, who I had my three amazing kids with, they live uh, just a few miles away. So I'm nice. Uh, I work part time at a Trader Joe's, which I love very much. Uh, and um, so, so you I just walked away from all of it. I kind of did. I kind of did because I wanted to, Well, my wife and kids had moved here a few years before I moved here a year or two. And uh, I missed them too much. So I just closed up shop and said, you know, I have a pension and all that stuff. So that helps support the kids, obviously. But um you're living you know, on the so, Trader Joe's money, huh? No, no, but that's why I make sure I get three square meals a day. <laughs> <laughs> it's the discounts but, on the food that I'm there for. <laughs> exactly. And uh, as a lifelong customer of Trader Joe's, it seems like a nice fit. I want to be the and one that hides the little fish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, let's not get into that. We can talk about the gimp all you want, pal. But, you know, <laughs> they, uh, so, so what part of Colorado are you in, not to get too specific? Yeah, just south of Denver in oh. a little suburb called Littleton. So, Man, I was just out there in um, Grand, at, in Grand Lake. 
Yeah. Oh, right there oh, yeah. the fires. We actually got evacuated because of the fires. Oh, yeah. Huge fire up there. Man, yeah. Colorado is awesome. It's, 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 a, it's a magnificent, it's a beautiful state. The one thing I do miss, I, well, I miss decades worth of friends back in LA, of course. Yeah. Um, and I miss uh, the ocean. That's the, those are the two things I miss. I miss the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. 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 No, and I, but you probably have a lot more normal people when you're in Littleton, well, Colorado. There's that. It, it, there's a lot less, uh, pretentious and I, I frankly i don't miss when as a being a writer everyone going did you get staffed yet did you you know just the 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 um <clears throat> the the low degree anxiety that exists yeah. on a con because no matter how successful you get in show business it seems to me the old cliche of this could be your last job is true yeah and so there's always an anxiety i mean some people can afford to retire very comfortably and that's that's cool and great, but but for most people who who you know labor in that in that field, it's it's you know job to job, yeah, and a lot of rejection Ugh. and all of those things. If you if you can't deal with that, it you know the the the, the insecurity of it or the anxiety or whatever you want to call. If you can't roll with it, it's 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 a tough life. Yeah. No, I. I, uh, I'm a voice actor when I'm not uh, yeah. busy doing this and yeah. it's the same thing. It's, you know, power of large mm -hmm. numbers. You got to audition for a thousand things to get one. And, yeah, exactly. And if you can't handle it, it's definitely not the business for you. No. Um, so I got, I got, uh, okay. Uh, one more question about Colorado before we jump back into your. No, no. I'd love talking about Colorado. Well, and it's not so much Colorado specific, but how how is because I'm I'm right at this point I've got a freshman in high school so I'm really making my plans, but how is that actual move from everyone you know everything you've done yeah to I'm going to Colorado and I'll know my kids and that's it yeah I mean how uh, that first day when you finally say that's it turn the lights yeah. off we're leaving I'm not going back and yeah I'm gonna well, live I, this I humble today, life I, and yeah. Uh, well, what I did, you know, I, you know, like I said, I, I basically closed up shop, uh, had garage sales or whatever, and uh, picked a date, May 1st, 2018. I'm going because it's hard, you know, because, well, as an actor yourself, you know that, oh, great, I leave May 1st, May 2nd, I get offered a series. You know, <laughs> you got, it, there's always that ridiculousness in the back of your head, like, yeah. what am I going to miss? Uh, but uh, that didn't happen, by the way. <laughs> but I, uh, you're still waiting <laughs> hey may 2nd 2021 is coming up pal exactly we're coming up on <laughs> a, a pandemic year this could happen <laughs> any apparently anything can happen in the last do you still years. do you still get calls for anything no no but what i do get once this pandemic is over i will go again hopefully start doing more of those fan fests which are really fun to do yeah uh, meeting people you know a lot of people who don't know about that world think it's a bunch of weirdos and nerds and yes i i probably will wear those hats but what it really is is people who love movies yeah like, like a guy like you a guy who really loves good work and loves you know and, and is a fan and right. so you meet people who who are fans of what I'm a fan of too, you know, great movies and cool movies and, you well, know, great fun just to keep you involved films. and, and, and kind of just to get out there and, yeah, you know, and I also, mean, you did, uh, you've done a lot. So it's kind of a nice little residual reward to be able to. It is. And, uh, and also I, I was teaching improv classes at a, a, a theater in downtown Denver called the bovine. No way. Uh, so I was doing that. Unfortunately, that has gone away in this pandemic time, but, uh, but, you know, so there's always ways to stay involved. And I still have friends back in L.A. who ask for, you know, jokes and stuff. So I, I keep my hands in. You ever do any stand-up comedy? Never did that. Never did that. I was definitely, you know, I think it, the comedy world is broken up into stand-ups and sketch people. Yeah. I was in the sketch people world. So, gotcha. um, but I always admired that. And I have, you know, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of it, but um but I never had the nerve to do, do you it. Have, it so uh, difficult. Do you miss it then? Like when you go out and you're, you know, whatever, brushing your horse in the morning. <laughs> Is that a euphemism, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> we'll let the listeners decide. <laughs> I, uh, uh, no, I, uh, no I, I miss the camaraderie of it. I, I think I miss that more than anything else. 
Yeah, well, and it's it's a whole different world out there. You know, the, the beautiful thing about Colorado is the, uh, you know, you get sun like 340 days a year. Oh, yeah. So no, it's, a- it's, it's it, uh, cloudy days are a rare thing. I said it's either snowing or raining, yeah. but otherwise the sun is out. And it can be 30 degrees, but if the sun is out here, it feels like it's 60. So that's kind of the secret of Colorado weather. Yeah. People back home will say to me, oh, God, so it was 28 today and i was like yeah but because the sun is so intense we're the mile high city you know five thousand feet up right it makes all the difference oh man i'm so jealous we're i'm in minnesota and it's gray yeah it's gray all the time it's just dreadful yeah well uh, yeah from november to probably april or may right (laughs) from uh, from from november to october (laughs) (laughs) okay fair enough well have a fun indian summer Hey everybody, it's time to talk about Chong's Choice. You know Tommy Chong from Cheech and Chong fame? Well, he's not just a comedian and actor. He's also an entrepreneur. Introducing Tommy Chong's newest line of cannabis products, Chong's Choice. These products are some of the best cannabis products grown by growers selected by Tommy Chong himself, along with his quality control team. If you're interested, go to TommyChong.com. Use the code TC-079K. And also, add the name DK Project to your order. You can also use the code to order merch, CBD, experience the nano CBD difference, feel it faster, feel it stronger, shop nano CBD, shop merchandise. There's all kinds of good stuff on the TommyChong.com website. What better place to get your cannabis products than from the master himself? TommyChong.com. Just make sure you add the DK Project as your order name and you're good to go. Special thanks to the good folks at Grady Restoration. If you're in need of some insurance restoration work, not sure if you have any hail damage, storm damage, wind damage, give them a call, 952-472-1570, or look them up on the web at gradyrestoration.com. The season is upon us. Time to start thinking about that outdoor landscape project you've been dreaming of. With everybody being home from the pandemic, You're sitting there looking at your lawn thinking, man, a pool would be nice. Well, wait no more. Maybe it's a fire pit. Maybe you want to enlarge that deck. Maybe you want to add a deck. You never know. Everybody's building houses and doing projects. Sometimes it's better to bring in the pros. Sit down with an NRD landscape design professional. They'll walk you through your options, lay it out, and execute. And you'll be sitting pretty by midsummer, baby. Give NRD Landscape Design a call at 952-212-2665 or look them up on the web at nrdlandscape.com. Don't forget to tell them you heard about it on the project. Yeah, well, do you... And I see on here that you do... um you do a lot of like uh, animation stuff. Do you do voices then or are you writing? Them? No, I, I wrote on Animaniacs and Tiny Toons Adventures. Those were actually my, pretty much my first professional gigs was writing for Tiny Toons Adventures. Really? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, so that was fun. I had um little quacker on a few months ago. <laughs> oh, really? There you go. And, uh, and he was telling me that process of trying to get a show on, to that, that, you know, a 30, a 30 minute show or however it is, it's like whatever shortened amount, yeah. but, uh, just the process. And it's very interesting how that whole, you know, cartoon world works. Cause it's, yeah. you know, and some of those, like, um, the Looney Tunes stuff and they've been around forever. Yeah. Oh, and, 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 you know, again, the, the, you know, the stuff that like Chuck Jones and Mel Blanc and Michael Maltese were doing in the 50s and 60s and earlier. Uh, I mean, those things, those are the th- first things I showed my kids, actually. Uh-huh. I didn't want them to watch Barney because you just learn bad production values. But what I, <laughs> to, what I wanted them to see was that great humor of those Daffy Duck, Book the Bugs Bunny, you know, classic yeah. cartoons because um, they're, they're they are timeless, like you said. You don't see that anymore. I, I actually, uh, it's funny you say that. I've got a, a 14-year-old who's going to be 15 in about two weeks. Yeah. He wants to get a, a, his permit. And I put together a like a little 20-question 20, 20 quiz for him, which includes, you know, who... You know, who played uh, the Big Lebowski and, and you know, name the Beatles and you know, uh-huh. these things because nowadays... They just don't have any of that. They don't have exposure to any of that quality mm-hmm. stuff that we did. And, you know, they'll have their own quality, but it's just never going to be as good as ours, of course. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's funny because they they just don't have any of that 
that background and and to show them those original cartoons and and some of that stuff that is mm-hmm. so automated and so technical now that they don't even it's not even the same game um, yeah well yeah and uh, yeah and everything now is you know cgi now my my, my youngest is uh is deeply into all the Marvel movies and stuff like that. And I think most of those are really great movies. Yeah. Uh, they're not necessarily my thing, but, um, but you know, I love like Ant-Man. Is that a Marvel? <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. never mind. I, 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 <laughs> Let's move on to something. We yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know them that well. I know I like the uh, what's his name stuff. Robert Downey Jr.'s. Yeah, uh, Iron Man. Iron Man. There you go. Yeah, 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 there you go. But yeah, so my 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 youngest is into that. Uh, my uh, my middle daughter is very much into pop culture and knows you know all the you know whatever was a hit twelve seconds ago. And then uh, my eldest daughter, who's twenty one, her favorite album is Dark Side of the Moon. Yeah. So I, I feel like they run the gamut. Wow, you <laughs> yeah. do have quite a collage there. That's cool. yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. What about speaking of cartoons? Uh, what about working on Shrek? Oh, Shrek was really fun. Did did, did you uh, work on the first? But, one? but it also brings up the difficult part about animation, which is always you feel like, oh, we could do more because there aren't a lot of the, uh, you know, uh, uh, limitations that we have in the real world. Uh, you know, the physical limitations. So you always feel like you can make it bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> um, did you know? But yeah, that? I, I loved working on the Shrek movies. Did uh, you know that that was going to have the impact that it did? I mean, that's that's got to be um, one of the 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 big, uh, you know, I yeah. don't want to say breakout, but for for a cartoon, that was a big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. That that along with like the you know, the Pixar movies suddenly made that a, a respectable way to to make movies because yeah. before that they were all kind of cheesy, weird little one-off, you know, right. fuzzy the beaver, weird, you know, <laughs> you know, things that no one ever saw. And yeah. then all of a sudden Pixar comes along and then DreamWorks uh, got into animation. And I think Fox did too, to a certain extent, but all of a sudden, and then uh, Studio Ghibli, of course, in Japan, but all of a sudden you had all these incredible movies and it didn't matter they were animated or not. They were funny you know, heartfelt, wonderful stories. Like well, and I think it also played to adults as much as it did to it, kids. Precisely, which is also the secret of those classic Warner Brothers cartoons yeah. we were talking about. You yeah. know, grown-ups could enjoy because they showed them before. You know, movies back in the back in the day. Right. So they had to appeal to adults as well. I totally agree. I I, I think uh, yeah, Shrek is something I'll still even watch if it pops on because it's just it's just a a, a, a good movie. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, yeah what really about and, uh, you know, uh, I was only a part of the writing of that. I would love to have been around for some of the uh, uh, the, the acting, the the voice yeah. work. I'd love to have seen John Cleese working, and you know, and all of those people who did such amazing. The 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 voice work on that movie is, you know. Oh yeah, no, it's it's and to see a uh, and a lot of people don't know that um, if they don't you know, Google it or YouTube it. But like, I was just uh, at a, con- or a retreat or whatever you call it with, with uh, Debbie Derberry, who's the person who plays uh, Jimmy Neutron. And, no. Yeah. 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 And to see these people in their element doing the voices and, and making yeah. that magic, it's, it, it's a game changer. It really makes you think uh, a little deeper about cartoons than what you originally did because they, yeah. Oh, yeah. they put their whole physical being into oh, it. Yeah. It's not just, it's doing just as animated voice. behind the scenes as it is is uh, yeah on yeah the they're scene. not just doing my silly voice as a cartoon character they're actually acting yeah it, oh yeah. and it's so fun and and, and it yeah. was a great experience but I I also just saw um somebody who's doing some Looney Tune guys he does two of the characters and, okay and very oh yeah because they've they, they, they've uh, they're redoing them oh, not redoing yeah yeah them. he um. It, he yeah he said he you know he was real good at it so he decided to apply and he and he got it and he is really good at it I can't think of his there name you know. but it's funny because I um that whole cartoon world is yeah. is kind of taken off there's there's way yeah. more of that now than there's ever been yeah um, oh, yeah but I yeah and also yeah and as as half hour sitcoms you know starting with like the the Family Guy and American Dad and all of those well, I think the Simpsons just put out their seven hundredth yeah. show or something yeah thirty four years or maybe it's seven thousand. 
How many? Is yeah, that? something like that. But it, it they're gonna they just got renewed for their thirty fifth season or something. Yeah, which is yeah. I, mean, I don't think I've ever seen a full episode. I don't know why. I'm just never committed to it. Back- well, that could be your life's work committing to seeing every episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, really. If I start now, I might be able to get them all in, right? Yeah. Enjoy the last one in your dotage. What uh, did you did you write? Uh, did you write on Austin Powers, or did you act in that one? Yes, I did. I, I I worked on all the Austin Powers again. You know, ghostwriting, punching up jokes, coming up with you know different ideas for different sequences and stuff, and. Uh, and in the one with Heather Graham, which I think is number two, it is number two, uh, I play a small role as the uh, inept chamber, uh, magma chamber guard or, yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, so uh, I have a short little scene there where uh, they escape from the magma chamber by uh, Heather Graham distracting me with by flashing her, her breasts at me. Nice. Yeah. yeah see, it's a, good, it's a living. Good scene. I'm starting to see a trend here with your, uh, with your scenes. And you, you said you're friends with Michael Myers. How, how is that mind? I mean, that guy's, it's just crazy, crazy yeah. creative. Yeah. Incredibly creative. He, again, he's a, another guy now at this point, I think he's semi-retired, still does bits of things here and there, but uh, he's a family man now. He had three kids and uh, and raising his kids in as normal a way he can, yeah. being Mike Myers, yeah. I suppose. But Mike's a, a terrific guy, a lovely guy. And he was always very generous with me in terms of like, you know, saying, you know, come in and lend a helping hand on this show with us. And uh, so, yeah, I have nothing but uh, great memories awesome. of working with Mike. And yeah, he, you know, like all people, who extraordinarily sensitive and funny and, and talented, you know, we have good and bad days, but uh, overall just his main concern was what's the best possible thing I can put out there. Yeah. Um, there you go. Oh man. That's cool. I, I see on here, uh, new heart. Were you on the original new heart? Yeah. The, yeah. It was the one, no, not the original, original in Chicago. It was the one where he ran uh, like the guest house in Vermont. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. More so, uh, yeah, I, I that was my first guest starring role. I was a student in a typing class that Bob was taking, <laughs> and uh, a few lines, and I got to meet William Wyndham. I don't know if you know that name, but he was a wonderful actor, and uh, oh. you know, so I got to gush over someone on my very first job. They, so, uh, uh, William, uh, oh yeah, William I'm Wyndham. Just... He was in a, a sitcom before your time called My World and Welcome to It which yeah. is based on James Thurber's life, who was a cartoonist. And uh, he was just a wonderful actor, had a great career. He, he uh, kind of a Hal Holbrook type. He was one of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just a, just a wonderful actor. So he played, the, he guest starred as the, the teacher in the class. And uh, yeah, so that was, uh, I want to say around 86. So do so you, do you stay in contact with any of these people? Uh, no, I stay. Yeah, now that I'm in Colorado, it's harder and all of that stuff. But yeah, uh, definitely stay in touch with a lot of my old Groundlings pals and yeah. uh, and uh, and other friends I've made along the way. And uh, yeah, wow. it, I, I feel very fortunate to have been able to cobble together a career doing a lot of different things for sure. And, and uh, you know. Uh, we, I, I'm just very grateful for it, but for lack of a better, you know, at the risk of repeating myself. No, that's all right. We 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 can't we can't get away from your your storied career without talking about National Treasure. Oh yeah, uh, the old Nick Cage. <laughs> Again, that was a little one-off. Uh, I had a tiny role. I, I think it's uh, labeled as. Uh, Credited as uh, terrified tourists on the toilet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it does seem to be a theme. Uh, but yes. uh, uh, the security at Buckingham Palace break into the uh, restroom stall. I'm in thinking they're going to get Nick Cage and they just get me a terrified tourist on the toilet. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. how, is, how was Nick Cage? <laughs> I didn't meet him. I, you you know, it was, uh, no. Oh. Uh, I would love to meet him. I, talk about, you know, legendary Hollywood 
people. He's, yeah. a, he's a character, right? Well, and it may be, yeah, maybe better that you didn't. Now you can just keep him that legend in your mind. Right? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> it could be. It yeah. says it says that you uh, you're uh, not from here. When did you come to America? I uh, we uh, my family immigrated to when I was a little boy uh, to Los Angeles from the UK. Yeah, uh, in '64. So you've been here the whole time, or in? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I grew up American. Yeah, grown up American essentially. But uh, on my mom's side, I still have a lot of relations up there in Fleetwood, in Lancashire. Uh, nice. So uh, I've been back a number of times over the years, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's where I was born originally. Moved here uh, as a little boy and uh, grew up in Southern California. And there you go. Wow. That's, I, 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 uh, I always hear about people who, uh, you know, live their whole lives in California. It's just a different life, you know? I, yeah. I, yeah. I don't I don't know if I could do it at this stage of the game, but back then things weren't as extreme as they are now, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, yeah, when I when I moved there, we, we moved to a town called Tustin about uh, an hour south of LA, and uh, there were still tons of orange groves and, you know, it was a very bucolic place to grow up. Uh now all those orange groves are huge, you know, uh auto mall places and stuff. <laughs> so it's like anywhere else, you know, you come. Yeah. Wow. So what, what's, what's the plan then? You're going to try and get up to, uh, owning a, a, a Trader Joe's or what? <laughs> yeah, that's, that is actually the plan. <laughs> if Quentin's going to have a movie theater, you should have the uh, grocery store, right? Yeah, there you go. Now you're talking. No, I'm going to continue working at Trader Joe's because I love it. Continue spending time with my uh, my lovely girlfriend Doreen, who's you know, uh, uh, it's it's funny, uh, you know. I don't be overly romantic about it, but uh, she moved here from Seattle several years ago. She grew up here in in, in Colorado, and then she moved back from Seattle. I moved back. Uh, I moved here from LA, and we met each other. And it feels like we've known each other our whole lives. So I, I don't I don't want to get too personal or really? goofy here, but uh, I'm so. That's been such a great thing for me, actually. Uh, so Doreen and I hang out as much as we can, see each other as much as we can, yeah. see my kids as much as I can. And hopefully, you know, uh, when we all can start taking off masks in public and, and people are vaccinated, get your vaccinations, uh, we can uh, I can start teaching improv classes again. And, oh, and uh, I'm coming throwing out those for fan that. again and go back and visit friends in L.A. again without being quarantined and all of those things. And you can feel it's starting to change and it, there are glimmers of hope. So that's why I would say to everyone, keep hanging on to that hope and do what you can do to be a good. Yeah, well, and it, it and we're nearing the end. I mean, everybody's getting vaccinated and some of the states aren't even wearing masks. You know, it's gotten quite loose. Um, yeah. So it won't be long. I, how long did you do the uh, improv stuff before you before the shutdown? Uh, I did uh, like a half a year or so, a couple of classes. So, you know, a couple of sessions. So, uh, and they were fun. And it, it's great working with people. Um, you know, a lot of times I also taught at the Groundlings, of course, years ago. But um, but it, the, the difference is in L.A., the, the students are all thinking about you know, advancing their professional careers, becoming a groundling, going on to SNL, all of these very narrow sort of yeah. uh, trajectories for mm -hmm. their lives. And here in Denver, uh, you know, you had a few people who were dreamed of moving to LA or New York or what have you, but most of them were doing it because it was fun. They wanted to do something fun and different. Yeah. So that was very refreshing working with people who just were there for the class and not for, well, what's this class going to give me? Or, you know, what, what am I going to get from this? It was, so I, I enjoy teaching. Well, I imagine uh, that people are 10 times more real there than yeah, out there, yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> out there in goofy world. What about, what about uh, the groundlings, uh, people that you worked with or instructed at the groundlings? Is there anybody that you thought was like, well, this dude's going to be big or this person's going to be big. I guess it doesn't have to be a dude. Um, yeah. You know, or, or you know, uh, anybody that you thought would have been great that, that just really never did? Like, because uh, you probably got to see them early on and, and yeah. back when they were well, soft I, play. I, let's see. You know, uh, back in the day, a lot, a lot of the people I was fortunate enough to work with, um, 
you know, Phil Lamar, who's in, who's in, also in Pulp Fiction, he plays Marvin, who gets his brains blown out in the back of the car. <laughs> oh, and, that, and now he's a huge uh, voiceover guy himself. He does a lot of animated shows. Um, Will Ferrell, uh, Julia, really? of course. How was Will uh, Ferrell in the early days? Oh, he's great. You know, I mean, uh, Will, Will again is one of those guys who has a very unique take on comedy, and has managed to make that sort of, you know, everyman cluelessness just so good. Yeah. he's just so good, and uh, and even at the groundlings towards before he went to SNL, he was kind of the alpha male there. You know, he was the if you needed a guy to do something, you know, Will was always a good guy to cast. Um, but the one person who stands out to me, my, uh, Molly Shannon, and I, I could go on and on and I'm going to forget someone and feel terrible. So, but the one person that I do remember distinctly saying, Oh, she's going to be on SNL. I have no doubt about it. Yeah. Was Kristen Wiig. And I directed her in her last couple of shows at the groundlings and the SNL people came to see her. And I just sort of said, you know, I just sort of pointed at Kristen and didn't have to say a word. It was just like a nod, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's really? a no-brainer. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, she was on uh, SNL for quite a stretch, too, wasn't she? I think she was. I think she was on for eight seasons, if not a season or two more. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she was there a while. Yeah. Wow, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, oh, eight, I don't remember. It's all a blur. <laughs> Well, it's funny because you've had you've had a lot of uh, different angles on you know that world. Normally, you don't uh, you know normally someone's an actor and they just act. But but yeah, being a no, writer, I, being I taught, I, I directed, I, I you know I wrote. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I well to, to me there's 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 something interesting about all of those things. So not why if you get an opportunity. Why not do something interesting? So yeah. I was fortunate to get the opportunities to do all those things. And wow. there you go. Wow. Well, I got to, I got to wrap this baby up. We're running long. Oh, yeah. I, uh, <laughs> it's just so much. I'm thinking we're going to have to have you back to fill in some more of the, the gaps. Oh yeah. I, I didn't even tell you, uh, uh, I have a lot of little funny stories about the, the, the repercussions of playing the gimp right after playing the gimp back in 94. So wait a minute. What does wait that mean? a minute. <laughs> the repercussions you got negative uh feedback oh, no, or what no not negative no not negative although i i think i recall uh roger ebert that was the one scene in the movie he hated was the gimp scene so, <laughs> i made him uncomfortable <laughs> a, yeah a little too close to the home watch but anyway uh no i uh all right. The, the one story I always uh, I, I've, I've told before uh, to friends and stuff is as it was hilarious because uh, the weekend Pulp Fiction open, which was like October of 94. I, uh, uh, I, I was visiting my parents house. And then when I came back that Sunday evening on that weekend, uh, there were like 40 messages on my answering machine and you know you see that back in the day it's like oh god something terrible's happened <laughs> yeah so i started playing them first one was just my mom saying lovely visit and then the rest were all guys who had seen cult fiction in the last 48 hours wow and saying they really enjoyed my performance <laughs> and would i like to meet them for a cup of coffee oh no yeah so, uh, 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 so I immediately unlisted my number. <laughs> but oh the weird God. thing is, this is pre, you know, you can Google anyone in the world. This is people had to sit through the end credits, see who played the gimp, find a payphone, call information. Oh, my gosh. And say, and get my number. So I became unlisted and... Uh, <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> do you get, do you get I, a lot just, of that when you go to those uh, comic cons? No, I don't. Thankfully, that's not that's not part of the scene. Uh, but uh, but it, it yeah it, it was it was weird. It was wow. creepy. Wow. <laughs> no, who would have thought? Yeah, that's there extreme. How funny! I I I I guess it never even dawned on me to even look i mean because yeah i know I, i've never gone to a movie and say i'm gonna call that person's home phone number and tell them i'm a fan yeah, yeah it's like that, but it, you know but incredible uh, but that's a different world though that whole 
leather bondy that whole oh yeah you know. yeah 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 so and back then they didn't have the internet to to google and and get yeah stuff exactly wow. uh, or go you know to go to their you know their dating sites because at least you know they worked a little to find your number because that uh, yeah it doesn't just happen wow (laughs) yeah no i ended up having a couple of really crummy dates but otherwise (laughs) (laughs) it uh it it definitely uh, makes you think that you know the the that world's been out there for a long time. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Quentin didn't make that up. <laughs> like a little uh, stalker. You know, it's funny because I've tried uh, a few of Quentin's other movies, and I they don't hit quite like his does, like uh, like yeah. Pulp Fiction. I, I, like everybody says Reservoir Dogs or, or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, no, Pulp Fiction is the one. Yeah, that might. Uh, I, I, I have a, obviously a personal connection to it, but it might be my favorite as well. I mean, I, I've, I've liked. I really loved his last movie, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I thought uh, that was a really cool film. I got to give it and, another try. I think I started it in the theater, and I was just like, I, I'm not. It didn't this. hit you. Yeah. Uh, well, I, uh, you know, part of the thing I liked about it is it. Uh, you know, I'll occasionally get homesick for LA. Yeah. And it's such an L.A. movie and it's, you know, L.A. in 1969, right. which is a little, a little before my time. But still, it, it, it really evokes the feeling of being in Los Angeles. So that I think something about it I really liked. Man. But he's made, a, obviously, he's made a number of really great films. And I hope it's not true. I read somewhere, I'm no longer really in touch with him, but I read somewhere that he's he's retired, that he's thinking about not making another movie. Oh, and really? I hope that's not true. Yeah. Ooh, that would yeah. be good. Maybe he does just want to manage the new Beverly cinema and do that. <laughs> there are worse ways to leave. There are worse ways to sort of close the chapter. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Yeah. Well, listen, Stephen, we got to thank you for the time, man. We're going to have you back on down the road just to check right. in on Colorado living. Make oh sure yeah, come on, come on. There. Next time you're in town, stop by. Well, I'm gonna. I'm, no, I'm coming out for that improv class. I. Uh, oh, there you go. Uh, okay, uh, remember, yes and. I, yes and. What. I want to be on the uh, the first uh, class back from the pandemic. <laughs> oh yeah, that's my goal. <laughs> All so right. that's a that's a worthwhile goal. Well, my, thank you so much for having me on. It, this was a lot of fun, and uh, and all my best to you and yours. Hey, thanks a lot, man. We'll definitely be in touch. Okay, my friend. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye now. Bye-bye. That's it. That's the end. That's a wrap. Read the shtick. That's a wrap for today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe and tell all your friends. If you'd like to reach out, you can use the studio line at 612-504-6500 or by email, thedkprojectpodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, there's always social media at the DK Project Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.